Hey there, it's episode 388 of the Keto Diet Podcast. I'm really excited to chat with you about root causes today. So if you are new around these parts, I've started melding ketogenic diet content with root cause content only because I feel like super hyper focusing on the ketogenic diet. Well, it didn't serve me and every single client I work with come to me because it's not serving them. And I think that there are so many people and maybe you're one of these people too, where you're doing great on your ketogenic diet, but things just aren't really connecting. There are things that aren't working for you or maybe you're on and off the diet and you're not sure and you're getting frustrated and you feel like this is the right move for you. And you, when you're eating keto, you feel great, but something happens and you're confused and you don't know what to do and there's symptoms and though you're feeling better, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so root causes really are such an evolution to the way that we think about healthcare. And it's unfortunate because I studied nutrition in 2007. I've been at this for a while. I've seen some stuff. And it wasn't until recently where I was told I had a parasite where things just flipped on its head. All of a sudden I was like, uh, well, can I fix that with food? I can't. What do you mean? How did I get this? Why did I get this? Why can't it die? I, I don't understand why I'm still dealing with this. And it, it really challenged me to think outside of that paradigm. If, if I just eat good enough, it will be fine. And this isn't to add more things to do to your to-do list. If you're crushing life, and things are great, then root cause wellness, you don't need it. You like, you got it. You got it going on. You figured out the perfect combination for yourself, but we don't live in a vacuum. Our world is toxic. And for a lot of bodies, myself included, I have a difficult time working through that toxicity. And this has a lot to do with my history. For those that don't know, I struggled through multiple drug addictions as an early adult. And I mean, it started in my teens. So for a good like eight-ish years, I was using some hard drugs. And that had an effect on me, definitely. The chemical burden, the effect to my liver. But you know, I've met women who have never done a drug in their life and their chemical burden is just as high, if not higher than mine. And so we need to understand that bodies are unique and each of us deal with our environment differently. And that's really what root cause is about. On a micro level, my job is to look at your cells. On a macro level, my job is to look at your environment. And so I wanted to bring in that conversation and trickle it in here because I firmly believe that the ketogenic diet can help multiple people. However, for some people, it's not enough. For some people, it needs to be tweaked. And for other people, it really doesn't work. And so I wanted to just, you know me, if you've listened to more than three podcast episodes here, you know that I understand that everybody is unique and we all need different things. So I wanted to have my friend Kelly Troop on, also known as the Real Food Revel. That's R-E-V-O-L, who's been in the medical field since 2008 to give her
her an in-depth background in anatomy and physiology so she can apply this to root cause and functional medicine. After getting sick herself metabolically at 26 and reversing it with nutrition, she furthers her study as a certified primal health coach and began coaching others, helping them regain their life through nutrition since 2013. In 2019, her health started to decline again and through much help through functional medicine, she discovered her root cause. She realized wellness is much more than food, inspiring her to enroll in training to become certified as a functional health practitioner. Though she has followed Dr. Cole through his career, she has now joined his functional medicine team. And you guys know Dr. Will Cole. He's a dear friend of mine and he's been on the podcast many times. I've been on his. He's great. Uh, Working with patients through nutritional counseling, individual lab analysis, supplement protocols, and supporting their wellness journey throughout care. Outside the office, Kelly enjoys raising her children, traveling, spending time outdoors, embracing her passion by gaining knowledge in all things health related and also researching her indigenous heritage. So yeah, let's just get right into it. Talking about functional medicine, root causes. It's going to be a good one. I hope you really enjoy it. Let's go. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women so you can burn fat, balance your hormones, and heal your body. Starting and maintaining keto can be challenging without the right support. So just for listening to the podcast, I want to give you 20% off the keto beginning with the coupon code Keto Podcast. That's all one word. This 30-day program gives you a clear step-by-step how-to so you can quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles, and get the results you crave. Go to help healthfulpursuit.com slash begin to get your keto beginning discount today. If you're new around these parts, I'm Leanne Vogel. You may know me as the international bestselling author of The Keto Diet, founder of happyketobody.com, or maybe you know me as the nutritionist that likes dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, Kelly. How are you today? I'm great, Leanne. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so glad to have you on the show. This is going to be great. I'm excited as well. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. So I'd love to just start off by you telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, my name is Kelly. I am the Real Food Rebel on Instagram. And I've been a coach since probably 2013. Kind of started out with some metabolic disease that sent me down this pathway of learning how to heal through food. And then again, in it was probably like 2019, I was sick again and super frustrated because food wasn't enough this time. And I had to dig deeper and get into some root causes. And that kind of sent me down the functional medicine uh, rabbit hole. And I was able to turn around some serious symptoms. I had lupus and I was in a lot of pain and pretty dysfunctional. So it felt really good to kind of figure out why that was happening and why food wasn't enough. And now that's brought me to this place where I can help lots of people. I actually work for Dr. Will Cole, and I'm one of his functional medicine practitioners. And so now I'm helping people that are going through the same problem that have probably tried every diet known to man, and just nothing was working, and they're frustrated, and you know, doctors don't listen. And uh, yeah, so it's really kind of brought me to this place where I can really help people. And that's been a blessing in disguise, I guess. 
Completely. That's so cool that you work with Dr. Will Cole. He's a dear friend of mine and is doing great work. And I didn't know one of my clients told me that he had a team of people and I had no idea. He has like a substantial group of individuals. That is so cool. How are you enjoying that? Oh, I love it. Everybody that works for him and himself, they're they're great humans. They've got big hearts and we all kind of are on the same, you know, page, which is awesome. It really allows us to help people. So, yeah, that's awesome. And well, you mentioned a bunch of different things that people might not be familiar with. Um, I've just started talking a bit about it on the show a little bit more. So I guess the first piece I want to kind of delve into is your experience with um, food not being enough. Can you explain a little bit more? Because it sounds like you had metabolic stuff, you kind of fixed that, but then you got sick again. Why wasn't food enough during that time? I think the biggest way that I can kind of like explain that as a whole is we're not just what we eat, we're what we absorb. And sometimes when we have like chronic issues going on, our gut becomes super inflamed and we're not getting the nutrients that we're putting in. And what happened for me is I just like, I lost a lot of weight at first. So I was almost like malnourished, even though I was eating a pretty much like primal ketogenic diet. And, you know, I thought for the most part, pretty, you know, well balanced. And so I started losing weight and people were starting to think I was too skinny, but then like the opposite happened. It's like the inflammation kicked in and all of a sudden I like gained 20 pounds and couldn't lose it. I was starting to get fatigued and muscle aches and like my hair wasn't growing and like um, my skin was dry. There was just like all these symptoms. But what really made me stop and pay attention was when like, my bowels got messed up. Like I was backed up for weeks on end. Like I couldn't have like a normal bowel movement and I was bloating and I was in pain. And every time I'd go to the doctor, they would just kind of like, look at me like, you're fine. And I'm like, well, I'm not fine. Like I eat pretty much like a ton of meat. I'm deficient in zinc. Like my iron levels are messed up. Like I can't, you know, can't use the restroom. And of course they just send you home with their like, Oh, take some fiber. And I'm like, I don't think that's what this is. So I was just really at a loss because nobody would listen to me. Like I'd go to the regular doctor and I'm like, I think I'm nutrient deficient. And they're like, okay, so let's do colonoscopy. And I'm like, okay, but like, I was like more focused on the small intestine here. And they're like, yeah, but that's where we start. So like I had all these medical bills and no answers and everybody at work was like, what is wrong with you? Like you eat so healthy and like, you look like death, like you're not performing, like you should be performing. And I knew that I didn't feel as great as I did when I like found the ketogenic diet. And like, I had all this energy and like, I was my best self. I felt like I was slipping back into to my like standard American diet days where I was tired all the time and my muscles hurt. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening to me. So I actually went down a really bad path of like trying to fix everything with food. So I'm like, maybe I'm not eating enough vegetables. So I ate like all the vegetables, <laughs> I ate like a rainbow, a color of everything. And all I did was bloat more. All I did was feel even worse. And, uh, I actually had to come to a place where like the vegetables had to go for a little bit. Um, but I also had to get to the root causes because obviously the vegetables shouldn't be the problem. It was just a matter of my body not being able to tolerate them. You shared so many amazing things right there. The standard American diet days without the diet being that way. And I feel like there's so many people that start the ketogenic diet. They feel so good. However, they have some sort of root cause situation going on. Parasites, metal, mold, lime, bacteria, all sorts of things, or one or more of these things. And all of a sudden they start having similar symptoms or time goes by a couple of years and the symptoms come back, but their diet is perfect. You know, like I look at 
it. And I say, but there's really nothing you need to shift here. So I really like that you highlighted that. And I, I love also that you highlighted the bowel movements as a red flag. Like I had the worst bowel movements right around the time that I know that I got a pathogenic parasite. Now I know that back then I, same thing, went to the doctor I was put on. I can't remember the medication, but I was on that consistently to have a bowel movement. And I got to the point where it didn't work. And they were talking about crazy things that needed to happen to my bowels. And I'm like, I don't know about that. You know, the bowel movement really requires us to take it seriously and make sure that we're going every day. And it's great. It can be a huge red flag. And would you agree that that and even periods could be a good way to know if something is wrong? Yeah, I think hormones are a major thing too. And like that was out of balance for me as well. It was always like three days, maybe five days before my cycle, my face would rash out, which like I was thinking was definitely like a hormone kind of hive allergic reaction. Like I almost felt like I was allergic to my own progesterone. But really when I looked back after I realized that like I had a parasite, it was actually one of the signs of having like blastocystitis hominis, which is one of the parasites I ended up finding when I dug a little deeper. Cool. So that was one of the, <laughs> I just love parasites. That was one of the root causes that you discovered. So um, you started eating better around 2013, you said, and then in 2019, your health started to decline again. At that point, do you believe that you had a parasite? I did. I actually did a stool test. And you know, as great as testing is, I had to test probably four times to find that parasite. So it was almost like my symptoms would have been a better indicator of what was going on than like relying on the testing because it's just one sample in time. But when that finally came back, and you know, I read a lot of the symptoms, a lot of it made sense. Like I was having mucus that was showing up, I was having debris, like I wasn't breaking stuff down. Maybe it was debris, maybe it was like, you know, like there was just all these things that just didn't seem like my normal self that was showing up. And parasite was definitely a big part of it. But I think the reason that I got the parasite was actually because my immune system had been weakened. And that goes into the fact that I actually had a C. diff, which I was able to track back to exactly when I got it. And it actually took four years eating good food for it to really like dehabilitate my body, I feel like. And then I had mold in my house. And so it was like the trifecta to really just take me down even eating a ton of nutrients and trying to nourish my body. Wow. Yeah. I cannot stress enough how important it is if you believe that you have a parasite and especially if you've been on protocols for a while and it's not going away, it's probably because you've lived or you're living in mold and you know, all these things kind of culminate all together. And I really like that you mentioned having to test so many times to find it. I agree. Like clinically, I see that consistently. Like now if we might test it once, but if we don't find anything, but the symptoms are there and the the blood work indicates there could be a parasitic imbalance and we go for it because yeah, you can test and test and test and test. I mean, I had a client the other day, clearly past parasites and chatted with their doctor, got a stool test and it didn't come up with anything, but I'm like, that poo is definitely not right. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's that you mentioned the symptoms piece. I love that we're finally like getting in a health space where we can like talk about poop. Like I know it's like not the best subject, but it's like when you're going through something like this and you feel so abnormal, it's just so nice to know like so many people have the same symptoms or going through the same thing and you're not the only one. <laughs>
Whether you're keto, low carb, paleo, or somewhere in between, electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body, including the conduction of nerve impulses, hormonal regulation, nutrient absorption, and fluid balance. This is amplified on the ketogenic diet, but every human requires this balance. When you have adrenal hypo or hyperfunction, this affects your body's ability to balance sodium and potassium. Do you get headaches behind your left eye? This is a good sign that you need sodium. Headaches behind your right eye? This is a good sign you need potassium. Nearly every one of my clients that I work one-on-one -on -one with have an imbalance of electrolytes when they first come to see me. Symptoms such as headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness, or seen right there in their blood work. Much of this is improved with proper electrolyte supplementation. Now, I personally consume at least one packet of electrolytes daily, and not just any electrolyte, element electrolytes, because it doesn't have sugar, fillers, coloring, artificial, gunk, and has the effective electrolyte ratio that so many other guys don't do right, with 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium, that perfect combination. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any order. That's eight single serving packets free with any element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinklmnt.com slash KDP. This deal is only available through my link. You must go to drinklmnt.com dot com slash kdp element offers a no questions asked refund so you can try it totally risk free if you don't like it share it with a friend and they will give you your money back no questions asked you really have nothing to lose i just love these guys again it's drinklmnt.com slash kdp yeah yes completely i really love talking about poop i've always really liked talking about it i really enjoy when my clients surprise me with pictures of parasites they've passed i just i really enjoy it <laughs> oh, there's so but i think you have to as a practitioner like you can't be grossed out by that stuff it's just it's natural it's part of life and i mean i will cheer somebody on if they tell me that they had their second bowel movement for the day like this is great this is great news yeah, it's it's amazing news. And like, I guess, you know, the same thing happens with mold, too. It's like, that's something we can test for. But if the body's detox pathways are blocked, which, you know, mold loves to do, like most people have like, uh, the okra toxin, which will block your sweating hormones, you know, block your glutathione, like, you'll take the like myco test, and it'll come back clean. And you could still have all the mold issues, and you're just not detoxing them out. So it's really important to like pay attention to the clinical and the blood markers and you know, the, the like, like the patient story, like we never want to be in a place where like, we're not listening to people. And I feel like even in the functional medicine space that still exists where people just are like, well, everything, all the testing's fine. So you're fine. And you're still left feeling like I'm not fine. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. And maybe you um, experience this also when you do testing and then you have to tell a client, so like this says you don't have mold, but like, I still think you have mold. <laughs> and they're like, I just spent X, Y, Z dollars on this test. What do you mean? And it's like, yeah, I mean, I just, I really think you still have mold. <laughs> 
it breaks my heart. I actually have one girl that I've been helping now for probably a year, and she is just now moving out of her moldy environment. So I'm super excited, but she has over 13 years of living in a moldy home and her myco came back negative. And I'm like, please don't hate me. Cause I felt so bad. Like her husband, like doesn't believe her that she can be this ill. And I'm like, all I want for you is to have the support you need. And I feel like I just failed you on that. But at the same time, like, I really just don't think you're detoxing. And I even tried to give her like a little glutathione and like try to stir stuff up a little bit. And it still came back negative and I felt terrible. Yeah. That provoking I've done. I have a couple nerd based clients who are like, yeah, I mean, I'll do two tests like provoked unprovoked. We'll like check it out and see and provoking with glutathione. I found quite beneficial, but you're right. If drainage pathways aren't open, I mean, you can test left, right, sideways, upside down. I find, you know, what we're talking about here, drainage pathways, just making sure I like to think of it like your body, like a sponge. And when your drainage pathways are blocked, your body is a brick and it's not able to squeeze. And so this can take quite a long time to open up drainage pathways. I find most people living in mold generally have that blocked like sweat pathway. These are the people that are like, I don't sweat and everyone around me has a wet t-shirt and I literally look dry. Would you agree? Oh yeah. I was like proud of the fact that I didn't sweat. I'm like, I'm a girl and I don't sweat. Like how awesome is that? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Totally. Red flag. (laughs) Total red flag. And one of the other red flags that you mentioned was when the inflammation kicked in and you, you gained weight and you couldn't lose it. Can we talk a little bit more about that as it relates to some of this root cause stuff and how that can be a red flag? Yeah. I mean, especially when like, you know, I was kind of down to what I thought was like my ideal weight and then 20 pounds came on overnight. And it was just like, I know that like, it was a sign that like my immune system was stressed a little bit. I had worked for a job that like forced a flu shot. And so I got it, but I've had the flu shot in the past. And I, like I said, I gained 20 pounds. I had migraines for a month. Like you can kind of tell when you know your immune system, when it's like walking the line and it's like any little thing I did would cause me to like gain weight. So like I I was also going to the gym and I was trying to work out, which is like a a healthy stressor. Like I'm trying to build muscle and I would bloat and I felt like such a failure. I'm like, my trainer is going to think that I'm going home and like binging a bunch of junk food. And it's really just my body was not in a place to handle any more stress in the bucket. Completely. And so these things were happening. You mentioned C. diff, mold, parasites. At that point, did you even know what you were looking at? Were you like, I don't even know how to handle this. I better go back to school and figure this out. Or what was that process like for you? And what did that healing protocol look like? So I worked with a practitioner that was cheap. I'm a single mother of like three kids. And he started me on a protocol, but I felt like the protocol was very non-biased. Like I felt like it was like his general protocol that no matter what he came back with, he was giving to people. So then that's like when you start snowballing again and you're doing all this research and looking up what you have and looking up what other functional practitioners are doing. And then you kind of like try different things and see what works for you. And I actually, I messed up trying to heal on my own because I took all the things like the biofilm disruptors. I took antimicrobials. I took probiotics. I took, you know, things that I thought were great, but I never paid attention to like 
improving the detox pathways. And so I actually saw that kind of come back because I was visiting with Jimmy Moore and he has this awesome Murano Forge. And I'm like, I'm going to do a cold plunge. And I had been doing like cold showers, but the plunge for four minutes caused me to go into a cytokine storm. So like right along my thighs, I detoxed really heavy, almost like you tore a muscle. It was red, it was inflamed, my immune system dropped. And I'm like, what is going on? And I realized like my healing journey is not done. Like my lupus is in remission, like everything's good, but I still have some like toxins in my fat cells that I still need to work out over a slow period of time. There's no magic pill, you know, there's still always a little bit more that we learn. But yeah, it's definitely important to support those detox pathways when healing. But it did, it caused all kinds of research. I probably read more than I ever should, but that also makes me a better practitioner now to help people through these things. Completely. And with the drainage pathway focus, uh, oh man, I just started working with a client probably about four months ago and she had been working with another practitioner for three years on mold. And the first thing I looked at, I'm like, there's no drainage focus on this at all. And I asked her like, Hey, you know, did you talk about drainage? And she's like, no, but I just Googled it and I figured this out. And that's why I need your help because it's so integral. I mean, you could be on binders and antifungals and all sorts of things. And if your drainage isn't open, you're just, yeah, you're a brick. You're not, nothing's moving, nothing's squeezing, nothing is. Yeah, it's so incredibly important. And the drainage pathy work, I mean, it's pretty simple once you get a handle on which ones are your block drainage. You know, you have the kidney and the skin and bowels and lungs and just figuring out kind of which ones are the ones that I have a history of not being so great. You know, if you've had pneumonia twice like me, my lungs probably aren't that fantastic. (laughs) So would you agree that that's kind of how you approach things? Do you take more of a systemic drainage approach or is it more individual for each individual, like what drainage pathways you need to focus on on the most? Or is it based on the type of root causes you're working through? What drainage pathways need to be supported? I'd say it's a combination of both. Like there's some daily habits that need to happen. Like people need to sweat, people need to move, people need to do those kind of things, have a bowel movement every day. But then, yeah, right. Like somebody who's had a mold case, their lungs might be completely, you know, congested, in which case a breathing protocol might be necessary to help clean that out. So I I think definitely that you have to kind of do both. You have to, you definitely have to hear your clients. I think it's, like I said, it always comes back to that. We need to listen to them and see what's going on with their system individually. Yes. And for those listening who aren't practitioners, if you're working with a practitioner, what I'm hearing you say, Kelly, is also find a practitioner that's hearing you and listening and, you know, saying sometimes that just because this test looks negative doesn't mean that it's necessarily negative because of XYZ factors that you've shared with me and all the symptoms that line up with all those things. Um, Yeah, really, really great. And so, We talked about the healing protocol, kind of what things to look for, some red flags around healing protocols. What are some of the most common root causes that you work with, with your practice? So honestly, right now, and I don't know if it's because of what's happened in the world the last few years, mold is probably our number one. And the parasites, like those two we see all the time, but it's the most mold that I think we've ever seen. And I don't think it's because the testing's going up. I think it's because people were in their homes and they were not getting outside and they were not moving. And we've got a surplus of these cases now. And you know, I think everybody's always kind of shocked when mold is what comes back because they're like 
they just never expected it, right? Like we see it, we know it's bad, but we don't realize like how terrible it can make somebody feel. It literally can take over your whole life. Completely. And I was reading a study the other day. I'll see if I can find it. But those who had experienced COVID-19, because of the attack on the lung, if you were already living in a moldy space, it could like weaken things. I can't entirely remember what it went into because it was a while ago. But it was really fascinating kind of linking up COVID, lungs, and mold toxicity. And because that's your weak drainage pathway, it just starting to trigger all these different symptoms once you have COVID. So it's really fascinating. I'll try to include that in the show notes if I can find it again. Yeah, I'd even love to read that. I actually work for a hospital and I do ultrasound for a living. So I get to see a lot of these patients that are sick and, and admitted. And, you know, one of our detox pathways is our liver. And when you see liver enzymes, like up in the 300s, like that's a shocker. Like, yeah, they elevate with like viruses, but like 300, you know, and it's like, if that's blocked, I can't even imagine like, you know, that's, I think why people are getting so sick is that our detox pathways are blocked. So it's not even the virus. It's maybe not even the mold. It's that we're not moving and shaking like we used to. We're not getting outside like we used to. We are, you know, living in artificial caves that may or may not have mold and we're not getting outside. We're not getting that fresh air and like the healthy bacteria and stuff like that, that we need. And we're not moving enough to move our lymph, you know, that's not going to move on its own. And I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing such extreme illness on all counts, you know, even if your diet's on point, your lifestyle still needs to be on point, you still need to be getting out in nature and moving and getting outside and, you know, being an animal, you know, like, <laughs> not so sedentary. Completely, completely. So there was an item that you had sent me before our call together. And it was fascinated me because this is a little bit different than how I practice. So I love learning when guests come on. You were saying that I agree with you, Epstein-Barr virus, totally not root cause, like you will spin your wheels on that. But you also said that Lyme, potentially not a root cause and the sign that the body's imbalanced. I would love to understand kind of the approach that you take if somebody comes to you with Lyme and kind of what your thoughts are on Epstein-Barr and Lyme as not root causes. Yeah. So like we kind of see like these are viruses, um, at least with Epstein-Barr that like lay dormant in our thyroid and in our liver. And so like we, our body learns to live with them and find balance. And I feel like Lyme's is a lot of times the same way. Like we've been dealing with ticks and Lyme's disease for since existence, I'm sure. And it's like, but there's got to be a reason why the body won't find balance. And I think what comes down to is A, you get a parasite with that Lyme or B, you've got mold or you have some other immune stress that is not allowing your body to go in and find that balance with these pathogens. So it almost like re-triggers them. It's like your weak point, you know? And I just think it's crazy, like, you know, because when I when I read labs, I will tell you that like probably 90% of people come back with Epstein-Barr, but it's not the, you know, the active form. It's the, you know, like previous infection, like showing up. So it's kind of like, if this is re-triggering, and then we're always finding something else like a parasite or mold, this isn't the root cause, but it's probably the root cause of your symptoms. Like this being activated is causing the body aches. This being activated is causing your immune system to show a little weaker because it's like in a high immune stress load, but it's not, it shouldn't resurface on its own without these underlying chronic issues and stressors.
Let's talk about period pain. The most common over-the-counter medication for occasional menstrual discomfort are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs, like ibuprofen. They inhibit an enzyme COX-2 involved in the production of prostaglandins, which is how NSAIDs help reduce inflammation, pain, cramping, and heavy menstrual bleeding. However, they also inhibit COX-1, which can result in stomach and digestive symptoms like heartburn, gas, and bloating. NSAIDs do provide occasional relief for sure. However, it's best to pursue natural alternatives to avoid unwanted side effects. So what's the number one alternative that I suggest for my clients? CBD. The mechanism behind CBD's purported effectiveness in relieving period pain lies in the endocrinoidal system, or ECS. The ECS was discovered in the 1990s and is a collection of cellular receptors that are found throughout the body, including the brain, the immune system, and the female reproductive tract including the ovaries and uterus. Our own bodies produce a cannabinoid, possibly in response to estrogen levels, which binds to these receptors and influences our moods, reproductive system, immunity, and inflammation. And binding to receptors in the reproductive system, cannabinoids from CBD may lead to relief from menstrual and pelvic pain, GI symptoms, migraines, and menstrual headaches, anxiety, irritability, and other common PMS symptoms. So which CBD is best? Because like everything, there is a lot of garbage CBD on the market. I go with Eaton Hemp. I've been using their CBD oil for a couple of years and it's the only one that works well for myself, my family, my dog. Love the stuff. When you go to eatonhemp.com slash keto diet, you will save 25% with the code keto diet and you'll be given a 30 day money back guarantee. Doesn't work for you? Get your money back. Use the code keto diet at eatonhemp.com slash keto diet. Yeah, I was reading just simple, I mean, simple things like giving birth. I mean, that's a huge stressor and can reactivate Epstein-Barr. I know that COVID was reactivating Epstein-Barr and causing what we believe to be more long COVID. I saw that a ton. Um, my long COVID clients were just reactivated Epstein-Barr clients due to the COVID in- infection. And, and okay, so that's really interesting. I'll have to do more research kind of on Lyme as not a root cause. I agree with you a lot of this stuff can lay dormant and you can see like patterns of some of these things that are dormant in blood work I do see that often where there's like a hint of some symptoms but it's not like a lot whereas a reactivated situation is like you can totally tell right off the bat kind of what's going on so that's really really interesting so we've talked a lot about the different red flags and some of the protocols for yourself and your experience and even out to your clients kind of also you mentioned a client you'd been working with for over a year what can somebody expect when it comes to root causes the timeline and and what that could look like i feel like the timeline's different for everybody i mean like for me to even realize that i need to detox further i like to say that like healing isn't like linear, like there's no finish line. And then you're done. Sometimes it's kind of like flowing with the current state of everything and like constantly reevaluating your habits and what you're doing and kind of seeing where you need to go from here. And obviously, like I always kind of go with how that person is feeling. That's going to tell me more than anything else. Like if I'm feeling good, like I know that things are on balance and that's where I want to get my clients to. I want to get them to a point where they know they're normal so that when things are not normal, they can kind of look at their situation and see what's out of balance and see if there's anything to be adjusted. Okay. Yeah. 
so true. I always like to give kind of, um, because people want to know like, how long is this going to (laughs) take? But like how, how long sort of, and there are some people who I work with and I'm like, okay, this is literally just a matter of, you know, I, I don't believe that everyone has root causes. I don't believe that every, absolutely everyone has mold issues. I tend to believe that almost everyone has parasitic stuff going on. That's kind of at least everyone that I see, but generally people can range anywhere from like four months, but to like, I mean, three years, depending on how complex the thing is. But I find people just want to know, do you find that too? Like, can you just give me sort of a timeline, kind of some sort of expectation as to what maybe we'll be doing? Do yeah, you get like that? I would, yeah, like I would imagine, like I always tell them, like I expect to see symptoms improving in like three to four months, but that doesn't mean we don't have things to tweak and things that we can improve upon because your body's like basically been under assault with these, if you do have like these major issues for a long time, you know, these pathways have to kind of reopen up, you know, like a lot of people don't realize like their leptin, you know, gets shut down or their zinc pathways get blocked or their zinc's getting stolen. And it's like, it takes time to kind of balance all that stuff out, but we hope to have you feel better, you know, within three, four months. Mm-hmm, completely. And so you went through that diet shift, then you discovered some root causes. How has your diet transformed during that time? Because usually when the root causes come in, the diet really changes for most people. What is that looking like for you now, as opposed to when you first got started, quote unquote, eating healthy? Yeah. So one of the main things that I think was like really fascinating is when I was eating all those veggies, I actually went and got some blood, like um, some blood work done. And they tried to tell me that I was a hyper absorber of cholesterol. And I was like, well, what does that even mean? Like, I'm like, I was never told that before, like that I had this gene or like that something is abnormal here. So like, where are you getting your intel? And he goes, well, because you have plant statins, you know, in your bloodstream, you have plant sterols. And so when I kind of looked into my old testing when I was on my standard American diet, those markers weren't elevated. So what was happening was, is I had leaky gut and all these plants were getting into my bloodstream and activating my immune system even more. So that was actually one of my stressors. So my diet changed a lot where I was pretty much meat based. I was carnivore and God, that even shook even more heads in the community. Like you can't be carnivore forever. You can't be meat based. And I'm like, well, like, you know, indigenous people have been eating meat a really long time. So like, if I need to, I can. And I, that really kind of reframed my mind on the nutrients and meat because for so long I was like meat is protein. But then like I realized how many nutrients were like in organ meats and how many like nutrients are just in change from whether you're eating chicken or pork or beef or lamb. And so it kind of opened up this whole new perspective. Like I eat for my nutrients, but I also want to eat for nutrients that I'm going to absorb. And I think the easiest nutrients for us to absorb are animal protein. And so I've really leaned into carnivore pretty hard. And even now that I heal, I still pretty stick to that like baseline. I do occasionally like to dabble because I have found my health and I'm in a good balanced place. Like if there's berries growing back in my woods, I'm going to snack on them. Like nature gave me that. That's not like I'm going to the store and eating them all winter long. Like 
I'm going to try to eat with the seasons, but, um, I've kind of learned to just navigate like an intuition with how I eat now. But I think that it's important for people to realize that while they're healing, that the diet kind of does need to shift and needs to kind of lower inflammation in as many ways as possible, because your burden with being inflamed is so high that like, if we can lower in this one way, it's going to help speed up the healing process. Completely. And so do you feel like the carnivore kind of template is good while you're healing? It kind of sounds like you've transitioned even through the healing to continue with that. And what are your thoughts? Um, Because I know many people are thinking this right now. What are your thoughts on feeding that gut bacteria with plants? Like, do you feel like that's essential? Or do you think that that's kind of hyped up? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I kind of think that we um, have not really done research on what the gut looks like when it's animal based. So I think that just your essential fatty acids kind of shift and they kind of just change. And I don't think that we always need those plants to feed that bacteria. I think your body kind of intuitively knows what to do. And I kind of like relay it back to like how indigenous populations lived, at least in the area that I've lived. I mean, I'm in Pennsylvania, so we have winters. And I feel like in the cold, we would have eaten more like meat and fat. And then, you know, as summer hit, then we would have like the veggies to kind of do like a detox or like a cleaner, you know, like a clean out. And, you know, veggies are immune stressors. And so I think that we need to use them as a tool and like not stress our immune system out year round. And that's why I really get into kind of the seasonal aspect of it. Um, So I do eat some plants here and there, but I feel like that's just my way of like doing like a mini cleanse and not necessarily eating them for nutrients, because in a way, I don't think we absorb nutrients in plants the way we do meat. You know, when you eat a carrot, you get beta carotene and your body has to convert that to retinol. But if I eat beef liver, I just get retinol. My body can use it. And when you're sick and you're stressed out, your body doesn't want to do those conversions. Like it's just trying to keep you alive. And so you're probably not going to absorb that vitamin A out of a carrot, but you're probably going to absorb it out of that liver. And so that's kind of how I look at it as, and I don't think that everybody needs to stay that way, but I think that we need to talk more about like, you know, how much we're actually absorbing these nutrients. Like, yeah, you can get protein from peanut butter, but you're going to eat three cups of it to like equal what you would absorb out of a three ounce piece of beef, you know? Mm -hmm. Completely. Every couple of months I wear a CGM and I'm reminded how much more I could move or how much less I could do certain things. And so it's, it's always helpful. Even if you get into the groove with things, I find like coming back in, reining things in, tracking my food again, tracking how much I'm moving, adding it all up and being like, wow, I could definitely do better in this or I'm overdoing that or I could reduce this or increase that. Just kind of helpful because you get into your into your groove and not realize like, wow, I overdid it in some of these areas. Would you agree that once you kind of get into that maintenance mode that it can be helpful to kind of take stock on things after a while? Yeah, I constantly like to kind of test my body, I think, in that sense, too, and see like, because I I think that like metabolic flexibility is such a beautiful thing. Like, I think being in ketosis all the time, you know, and being like insulin resistant or sensitive, like, I don't think I want to be stuck on either side. I think I want to be able to fluctuate, you know, in between the two and, and feel good. And I think that's the goal for like every human. And that's the thing, like, even as I love carnivore, I think that it's also created this window where people get stuck in this dog 
dogmatic state where that's all they're willing to do. And I like to remind them, I'm like, if you can't eat a vegetable without feeling like death, you need to dig deeper. Like you have something more going on. Like it's, you know, like you're ignoring symptoms almost like you're almost putting a bandaid on your health issues because you don't want to deal with them. So you're like suppressing the symptoms, but those symptoms are alarms telling you to dig deeper. So like, I think it's something to use for healing, but I don't want to see people get stuck there and think that they can never eat anything outside that box. Mm -hmm, Completely. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Yeah, I would love to know kind of as you've discovered root causes and it sounds like you've made so many advancements professionally and personally, where do you see yourself wanting to be with your work and your personal life, your your health goals? Kind of where do you see yourself going over the next couple of years? I am one of those people that never want to stop learning. I think that once we stop learning, we do like a disservice to others, you know, whether we're doctors, whether we're health coaches, you know, I think that that's always something that's going to inspire me just as much as I've learned in the last, you know, since 2013, I love that I'm continually growing. So I want to continue down this path. It's I've been kind of leaning into the indigenous habits a little bit more just because of my background. My great grandfather was Shoshone. And I just think it's, you know, I just think it's amazing that they had such this relationship with nature. And I think we're really like the only animal that's confused about what to eat and how to live and how to thrive. And so I think that like by studying my roots, I'm almost learning things that like, it's almost like lost knowledge. And I think we need to rebuild that connection with nature and our circle of life and, and stop uh, thinking that we're like the superior race. We are an animal and, you know, we have needs that we're not meeting because we've gotten so smart. We think why we can build this and we can build that. And I think that that's having a lot of impact on our health. So I'm always going to want to like roll down that path. And I always have a heart for people that are indigenous because their genes make them more predisposed to diabetes. And really it's, it's our fault as, you know, obviously part of me is white too. So, (laughs) you know, like it's, it's our fault for like sending them this crappy food and like, you know, not feeding them food that was in their own environment and their own health derailed. And it's like, I want to kind of almost remind them, you know, like you can, you can rebuild back your health by, you know, also finding your culture again. And I think that's a beautiful relationship. And I'd love to see a lot of people redevelop their roots as well. That's beautiful, Kelly. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find more information and connect with you? Where can they go to do all that? Instagram is probably my main hub and that's the real food revel and it's spelled like R E V O L kind of like revolution, I guess is where I was headed with that. But, uh, most of the time I'm on Instagram, I'm Kelly troop on Facebook. You guys can find me there. I love to just share information. So I'm always accessible to people. I don't, you know, tell everyone they've got to pay a fee to talk to me. I, you know, I like to uh, hear someone's story and, you know, at least give direction if I can. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'll be sure to include that in the show notes and all those links. If you guys are unsure, just click around your app until you find the show notes. And if you're still unclear, you can just go to ketodietpodcast.com and look for episode three 
88. Kelly, again, thank you again for coming on the show today. This was a blast. Yeah, it's really good to talk to you. Um, I had missed you when you were kind of, you know, gone for a few years. So I love to see that you're back and I love the path that you're on and that we were able to connect having some of the same, you know, tumultuous journey there for a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's so cool that we can go through these horrific, horrible health things, but come out the other side and be so passionate to help other people. So that's what I focus on. Some of that stuff, you're like, oh, man, I could have done without. So I'm glad that you're on the other side of it and putting that knowledge and passion to work and helping others. So that's wonderful. Thanks for doing what you do. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. Okay, that's it for this episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Again, this is episode 388. If you want to check us out at ketodietpodcast.com for any links and resources that we mention here on the podcast. And I will see you next week for another episode. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.